Welcome to LifePoint Church. Our mission is to glorify God and make gospel-driven disciples by engaging people in the unexpected joy of a life more and more dependent on Jesus. Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 24. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Now after these things, it was told to Abraham, behold, Milcah also has borne children to your brother Nahor, Uz his firstborn, Uz his brother, Kemuel the father of Ram, Chesed, Hazel, Pildash, Jidlaf, and Betuel. Betuel fathered Rebekah. These eight Milcah bore to Nahor, Abraham's brother. Moreover, his concubine, whose name was Reoma, bore Teba, Gaham, Tahash, and Maka. You know, every family has stories that get passed down from generation to generation. Family lore, the kind of stories that, that define and reveal the core of who we are the core of what is, is, is in our hearts, what we're made of. And often these stories spring from times of crisis 
or testing or adversity that we face in our lives. Maybe you've heard of how your parents or your grandparents have faced um, some of these times of testing or, or adversity. Maybe they made it through the Great Depression or Vietnam or the passing of a parent or a spouse or a child. Have you ever thought about how this story that was just read would have been passed down through the generations? I mean, we're reading it in Scripture. Have you ever thought about what, what it would actually be like for Isaac to try to explain this to his own kids? You know, as we aim to understand God's purposes in our text today, we need to remember that this is a real family, a real story, walking through life day by day, aiming to be faithful to God and what God has laid out before them. And, and, and I think it's, it, it's, it's incredible to think about what it would have been like for Isaac, the child of promise, the miraculous son that was born to a woman in her 90s, what it would have been like for him who went on to become a father himself to tell his kids about being bound up and placed on the altar. <laughs> you know, I, I thought maybe it might be helpful for us to see how Isaac would have explained this story to his own two sons, Jacob and Esau, that you can read about in the rest of Genesis. And so uh, let's take a moment now to listen in on how that conversation might have gone. Father, tell Esau to stop shooting at me. You have a shield, Jacob. It's called ignoring him. Use it. Esau? Yes, Father? <laughs> stop shooting your brother. Yes, Father. Father? Yes, my son? Was Grandfather Abram really going to stab you with the knife? He would have if God had wanted him to. Did God really want him to? That's a good question. What God really wanted was for Father Abraham to trust him. Did you know Grandfather Abraham was going to sacrifice you? No. I noticed we didn't have a lamb. But when I asked him about it, he said, God will provide for himself a lamb. Did that mean that you were the lamb? Well, it looked like I was the lamb. But the main thing is that Father Abraham trusted God and was willing to obey him, even if he didn't fully understand. But if you had died, Esau and I wouldn't have been born. I don't think that's true, Jacob, because God had made a promise to Father Abraham. Do you remember? He said, through Isaac, your offspring shall be named. When God makes a promise, he never breaks it. That means he knew I would grow up and have offspring and that you two would be my offspring. But if you died, how could you have offspring? I asked Father Abraham that same question and he told me that he believed that God would keep his promise and if God was asking him to sacrifice me, then God must have planned to bring me back from, to life from the dead. Like a ghost? <laughs> no, not like a ghost. God would have healed me and made me alive again, just like I am now. But he didn't do that. God made a ram get caught in the bushes. That's right. 
God provided the sacrifice just like he promised. And it wasn't me, God be praised. But why did God tell Grandfather Abraham to make you the sacrifice if he knew he was going to provide the ram? Well, I don't know all of God's reasons, son. He always has more than he tells us. But remember what I told you guys last night? God told Grandfather Abraham, by myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Jacob, you tell me, why did God tell Father Abraham to offer me as the sacrifice? To see if Grandfather would obey him? Yes, but it was also to show us, me and you and Esau and your children someday and their children, what it means to trust God. Father Abraham trusted God so much that he was willing to sacrifice the fulfillment of God's promise, me, because he believed that God would still fulfill his promise. That's important to understand because the promise God made to Abraham, our father, he is also making to you. In your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Someday you're going to have to trust that God will keep his promise even when it looks like he won't. When that happens, remember Father Abraham and say with him, the Lord will provide. Does that make sense? Yes, Father. Now, what the Lord wants to provide for you two tonight is sleep. So let's have it quiet. Yes, Father. I hope maybe that that can help us see that there's, there's real lives here involved in this story. Sometimes we get this like historical distance when we read an ancient narrative from Scripture. But I, I want us to keep that conversation in mind because someday somebody will be talking about your life while they're putting their kids to sleep. And I want us to, to be, be thinking about what it looks like for us to walk in this kind of trust in God. And that kind of brings us to the big question as we summarize this, this series, we, as this series wraps up, we're looking at this question, what is true faith? We followed Abraham's journey and we began back in Genesis 12 and we've seen God called him out of his people and out of his belief system and, 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 and out of all these places. God called Gen Abraham out of all of that in Genesis 12 and, and, and we've followed his faith journey throughout the book of Genesis and now here we are. This is, this is at this point kind of the culmination of his faith, and we're looking at, looking at this faith journey as, as it, it hits this climax in Genesis chapter 22, and there's a lot we can learn to answer this question, what is true faith? We've seen Abraham take some great steps of faith, and we've seen him also take some disappointing steps backwards. 
hearts. So I hope as we dive into this that we can, we can see what does faith look like in day-by-day life. And, and as we start here, look at Genesis uh, 22, verses 1 and 2. I encourage you to open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22. This is a good text to be looking at. Some, some scholars have called this like, like, like the pinnacle of, of ancient writing. This is a, a beautiful narrative that we see so much tension in, and, and, and there's, it's just really beautiful how it unfolds. And as we open here, Genesis 22, verses 1 and 2, it says, After these things, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Go offer your son, this, the, the son that you love, the child of promise. And, and, and right there at the very beginning, I look at this, I wonder, why is God testing Abraham? God tests Abraham here. Maybe you've wondered this question too. Maybe you've felt tested in your life. And you know, there's, there's lots of other places we can turn to in Scripture to understand God's heart when it comes to testing his people. And I want to look at real quick, turn over, and, and I'll, I'll have it on the screen if you don't want to turn there. But uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, if we follow the story of what God does with his people through Abraham, we see that they were tested again. After Abraham's descendants become a great nation within Egypt and then, and then they are rescued from Egypt after being enslaved in Egypt 400 years, we get to, to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and, and 8 verse 2. We see here God's heart behind the testing of his people. And it says, it says, God says, and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. God's people wandered 40 years that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And so as we try to understand this question of what is true faith, And we look at the story of Abraham and we see this testing of faith that God tested him. We can see here, if we're we're trying to understand what true faith is all about, true faith has something to do with a heart-level ordering of priorities. We see this because that's God's, God's purposes in testing his people's faith. And the test Look back at Genesis 22, verses 1 to 2. He, he tells him to offer his very own son as a burnt offering. Now, this is significant because a burnt offering was an offering. It was, it was the whole animal placed upon the altar, consumed by the flames, the entire thing. This is all or nothing. And here Abraham has journeyed these years with God in faith and he's finally seen his, his 90-year-old wife bear this child. And God says, I I want you to give this child to me. Give this child up. That's the test. An all or nothing burnt offering. And you know, it's interesting here. We see there's, there's no question of discernment. Abraham has no question about whether or not this is God. He clearly has heard God's voice. God has clearly called him to make this offering. And, and, and there's, there's no question about it. In fact, if you look at verse 3, this Abraham goes, he goes right to it. He saddles the donkey. He cuts the wood. He gathers his servants and Isaac and, and he heads out. This is the same man who stepped in front of the Lord on his way to bring judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah and pled with the Lord, with God himself, that he might have mercy on Sodom. Here, though, he has no question that God has called him to do this thing. There's no pleading. He just simply turns and obeys. 
So we see God is testing him, looking to reveal the priorities of his heart, and Abraham turns and obeys. And then look at what comes, verses four through eight. Abraham journeys three days to the mountain that God shows him to make a sacrifice of his son Isaac. And it says on the third day, they've reached the mountain. They've come to the edge of the mountain. And on the third day, he he turns and he says to to the servants that were with him, he says, you stay here. And and here we get our first view into what Abraham is thinking (laughs) in the midst of this test. We know that he turned and he obeyed God right away. Uh, But here in verse five, we get a a view into what Abraham is thinking. And look closely what he says to his two servants. He turns to them, he says, you stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Now, if you dissect the grammar of this, you'll see Abraham was very clear. And many people look at this story and they say that this this is a mark of his faith and trust in God's promise from the previous chapter, from back in in chapter 21 when God says, through your son Isaac will will your offspring be named. This is is him affirming that because even though God has called him to make a sacrifice of his son, he tells them, he says, hey, we're gonna go worship and then we're coming back, (laughs) both of us. We see Abraham's faith on display here. Now later on, this is a beautiful story because we get we get insight into the thinking and the head, the heart of Abraham. The author of Hebrews, you may have caught this in the reading, uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, unpacks for us a little bit about uh, what Abraham was thinking here when he went on ahead. Hebrews chapter 17, excuse me, verse, chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, says, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. So we have Abraham here is trusting in the promise of God's word, so much so that he, he sees and believes in and assumes that God has the power to resurrect his son from the dead, even if he offers him up as a burnt offering. I think it's pretty remarkable to see trust in the resurrection power of God, even here in the Old Testament in Father Abraham's life. And so we see that. We see his thinking here as he's heading up. He has full trust in the promise of God's word. And then in verses six through eight, as Abraham and Isaac head on together, and you can imagine the trail getting a little bit rougher here and steeper as they climb the mountain. Isaac, he's, he's seen his father worship. He knows that the part of worship was the offering of a sacrificial lamb. And, and, and he says, hey, hey dad, <laughs> I see, I'm carrying the wood on my back. You've got the fire. Um, where's the lamb? <laughs> he knows something's missing. And I love Abraham's response because we know in his head and in his heart, he's trusting God's provision. And his response is true whether or not Isaac is the lamb or whether God provides some other way that Abraham wasn't thinking of. He says, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. God has already provided Isaac. 
the child of promise, this miraculous birth that came that, that was, was the culmination for Abraham and Sarah of years of trusting God and following him. And, and here he affirms faith in God to his son. Now it's interesting, even some of the, the ancient Jewish scholars recognize the correlation between Isaac carrying the wood for the fire on his back and, and, and a condemned man carrying his own cross. They see that here, even in this. And, and, and here, as Abraham is, is walking next to his son, carrying the wood that, on which he will be laid when he's bound, uh, he, he trusts in God's provision. And this word here that Abraham uses when he tells his son Isaac that the Lord will provide, that word literally means to see. It's like he's saying, son, the Lord will see to it. He will see to the need for a sacrifice. He will see to this detail. It's a, it, it, it's a beautiful picture, and he will provide it, but it's, it's, it's the Lord will see to this, even this detail of our, of our day of worship. So they continue. Verses 9 and 10, they get to the spot that God showed Abraham. And Abraham builds the altar, stacks the stones, places the wood, arranges the wood on top, and then, and then he binds Isaac. In Jewish tradition, this story, this account is known as the binding of Isaac, not the sacrifice, because he wasn't sacrificed in the end. And this, this moment where, I just want you to picture, this is, this is a hundred-year-old man with his son, who's likely a teenager, and his son is, is trusting in the love and faith of his father and in the Lord. He allows himself to be bound by his father. Placed on that altar. And I wonder as he's like explaining this to his boys later on that night <laughs> when they weren't sleeping. I wonder what it was like for him to think back and remember his father, who we know from the text very clearly loved his son. What it was like to see him place him on the altar and then watch his father take the knife. This is the moment of decision. Verses 11 and 12. The angel intercedes, a voice from heaven. Abraham, <laughs> Abraham, and Abraham says, here I am, I'm, what? <laughs> like, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him, for I know now that you fear God. I can see what's in your heart. What is in your heart that has been revealed through this test is evident. I imagine at that moment, Isaac didn't feel the splinters in his back. <laughs> as he listened to the voice of God call out from heaven, exclaiming that his father had, had walked faithfully even in the midst of this test. Abraham demonstrated by his actions what was true in his heart, that he fears God, that he trusts God over and above even the love he had for Isaac, his son, his miracle son, and the beloved fulfillment of God's promises to him. 
Abraham has great faith and trust in God. Then in verse 13, God provides a substitutionary sacrifice. Abraham looks up and behind him, he, he, he sees this ram that's caught in the thicket. And he sacrifices this ram instead of his son. And we see, we see the substitutionary sacrifice. And then in verse 14, I can only imagine the relief that he and Isaac both felt and the awe that they felt as they, as they considered the voice they had just heard from heaven. Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. And then the narrator goes on to say, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And we see here in this, this, Abraham uses the same language to name the spot and to call out the name of the Lord as, as God our provider. Uses the same language that he used when he described to Isaac on their way up that the Lord would provide himself the lamb for the offering. This is the place the, the, where the, the Lord will see to it. The Lord will provide. And it's an affirmation that God will see to every one of our needs in the day-by-day journey of faith. Every step we take, God will see to what our needs are. He will provide everything that we need. Now, this name of God, the Lord will provide Jehovah, our provider. This is meant to be kind of complementary to the name that, that we see Abraham gives God in the previous chapter in Genesis 21. We talked about this last week. Do you remember? Genesis 21, 33. We see God is given this name, the everlasting God. And we see here this, this, this complementary naming of God that's describing his heart and his character. And, and, and we see here in, in chapter 21 that God is the God of everything everlasting, of the big picture. Uh, for, of all eternity, God is, is the God, the everlasting God that we can count on. And we also see as we walk with God day by day and the challenges and sacrifices that he calls us to, he will see to it that everything we need is provided provided in, in the big picture and in the details. Remember, Abraham has been called out. He's been called to leave his family. He's been called to leave his people. He's been called out of a religious system, a, a, a spiritual set of beliefs that saw many gods at every turn, this polytheism of the ancient Near East and ancient Mesopotamia that they would have turned to a different god for the big things and another god for the day-by-day things. This is the Lord saying, I am God and Lord over it all. The small stuff, the big stuff. I will provide the lamb for the sacrifice that you need to atone for your sins. I will provide for the everlasting blessings that you need. This is God, this is like a, like a comprehensive bookend looking at the character of God. I will provide for it all. And then we see in response to the faith of Abraham, the testing of his heart that revealed what was in there, what he was made of. We see God come, and again, in verses 15 to 18, the voice rings out from heaven. Isaac is hearing this voice. Abraham's hearing this voice that reaffirms the covenant promises of God. 
And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself I have sworn because you have done this, you have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. Your offspring shall possess the gates of your enemies. You you will prevail and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. What are you made of? We see this revealed in the heart of Abraham. We see what he's made of. This this is true faith on display. So we come back to our question for today. What is true faith? We've seen this journey of Abraham through the years, through through this time being called out from his people, from, from this place called to a promised land. We've seen God's promises. We've seen Abraham tested. What is true faith? We've seen Abraham finally hold the son, the child of promise whom he loves. We've seen him willing to sacrifice even the blessings that God has given him for the sake of being faithful to the God who's called him. So we see here in the life of Abraham that true faith trusts God and his promises over everything that we love. True faith trusts God and his promises over everything that we love. And we see God, he was doing so much more in that mountain than even Abraham and Isaac could have comprehended. We see in this story, and, and, and not just, not just the, the, the life of Abraham, but also in this episode on the mountain, that the Lord was preparing his people to have this kind of faith, a kind of faith that would trust in God and his promises over everything we might love in this life. We see that he was preparing his people for this kind of faith to trust in his ultimate plan of salvation, to join John the Baptist in recognizing that Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the promised, miraculous Son that would be born of Mary, that would be born of God, provided by God, the son that would not be spared because he is the substitutionary sacrifice for us that brings us life. He was preparing his people to trust in God's resurrection power, even all the way back in the Old Testament, that he could resurrect us from the dead and from the death that our sin has earned on this earth. We can see if we look at Romans chapter four and James chapter two that God was putting on display in the life of Abraham what true faith looks like, what it looks like to walk in true justifying faith, the kind of faith that that affirms the thing that God has done in us that reveals when tested that our hearts are leaning fully on God and trusting completely in his promises. True faith trusts God and his promises over everything that we love. Ultimately, we can trust God. We can trust in his promises. We can trust in what he has provided through Jesus 
the substitutionary lamb that, that, that died a death that we deserve. We can trust in God and in his life, his death, and ultimately in his resurrection. That is God's plan for us. That's the basis of our faith today. And as we look at at, at the coming celebration of Christmas here over the next few weeks, and then this spring as we remember and celebrate what Jesus did going to the cross for our sake and the empty tomb and being resurrected, these are the fulfillments of God's promises that we can trust in. We've seen God's heart revealed in that he did not withhold his own son so that we might have life. True faith trusts God and his promises over everything that we love. And we see here that Abraham's faith has grown. It's grown through the years as he has learned step by step what it means to trust God, to trust his promises. You know, in in chapter 21, Zach talked last week about Abraham planting a tree at Beersheba. And you know, the, the, the life of a tree, it starts with the planting of a small seed. I, I don't know if you ever grew up with oak trees in your backyard. Growing up, we had oak tree, an oak tree in our backyard, and the squirrels loved to bury all those acorns all over the place. So we had all these little saplings of little oak trees growing up all in our yard. They'd get mowed down. They were in the garden. It was kind of, they were everywhere, almost like weeds, because the squirrels would squirrel away these, 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 these seeds of the trees, these acorns. And you know that, that that acorn has everything it needs to be, I mean, it, it, it's a tree, but it's contained in this little package. It gets planted, it gets buried. And we see Abraham, he was all in. It was like he, 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 he buried the seed, he was all in when he was first called to leave the land of his ancestors, to leave his family and to trust God. He was all in, but, but his faith grew through the years. And there's, there's things that, that, you know, a, a little sapling of an oak tree, when it's small, it's not very strong yet. It's a tree, it's, but it's growing, and it takes time, and, and it takes water and sunlight and all these things, but it grows. And by the time that oak tree grows up, my brothers and I, we used to climb that oak tree. We, could, we felt like we were climbing a mile high in the air. The oak tree would grew strong. And, and, and we, see, we see Abraham plants this tree, and we can kind of see the growth and development of his faith through this story in Genesis to where we get to chapter 22. And it, that tree is developed, and it's strong. And, and when it's tested, it reveals a great trust in God and his promises. This is the journey of faith. True faith, as it grows, it trusts God and his promises over everything we love. It is strong in trusting the promises of God. So I ask, are there moments in your life now that you're being tested? Are there moments in your life now that God is giving you the opportunity to take a step of faith, a step that trusts him? What are these moments revealing about your heart? Do you trust in the power of God even to bring resurrection from the dead? Are you willing to trust God and his promises even if it means 
letting go of something that you love. You know, he may not be calling you to sacrifice your son or your daughter, but, but he may be calling you to set aside something that you love for the sake of following him. I want you to consider today, what are the stories that will be told of your faith to your grandkids as they're being put to sleep someday? Think about this journey of faith, the legacy of faith that Abraham left. He leaves to us. He left to his son Isaac and his grandsons. Think about the legacy of faith that you may leave. When you're tested, I pray that you and I, we will rest in true faith that trusts God and his promises over everything that we love. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you have shown us what it looks like to trust you, to follow you, to trust that your promises will be true even when things appear hopeless. And I pray right now for my friends in this room and those, those who may not be here with us but are listening to your word, I pray that we could see your faithfulness even if our circumstances look impossible. Help us to trust you more and more. Lord, place our steps of faith that we might be like Abraham, tested and shown to trust in our God. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. That concludes LifePoint Church's podcast. For more information about our church, visit sharethelife.org.